RV Miles is brought to you by L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean believes the more time you spend outside together, the better. That's why they've partnered with the National Park Foundation to help you find your park and get there with family and friends. With more than 400 national park sites in the U.S., there are beautiful surprises to be found in every corner of the country. There's probably one closer than you think. Be an outsider with L.L. Bean. This week, our full-time series returns as we talk with Jim Nelson and Renee Agredano about their decade-plus on the road. They share their story to full-time RV freedom and tons of tips about traveling with pets. Plus, we've recently visited a newly reopened national park. We share our experiences with social distancing at Mesa Verde. This is RV Miles. Welcome to episode 147 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, crisscross North America on one epic road trip. Each week, we talk all things RV and outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, our national parks, and a whole lot more. We come to you this week for the second time near the San Juan National Forest, uh, beautiful evening hours right now it is june 1st that we're recording this on and uh we just experienced a a very gentle colorado thunderstorm that was it was just that sort of rolling thunder and medium rain (laughs) it was was like garth brooks was just like right here it was that's how jason envisioned it and the land in it was I, that's what was happening it's one of those thunderstorms where you come out afterwards and the smell is just so wonderful the smell is so wonderful and the whole ground and the whole world has turned yellow <laughs> the, thanks to the pollen the pollen uh wow the pollen is crazy here everything is covered in yellow it is dust. a pollen's world <laughs> and i am just living in it right now completely hyped up on <laughs> we uh, we just finished our recording our Monday night live. If you check us out on Facebook on our our wandering family page on our one our don't watch it <laughs> our Monday <laughs> night live. Monday. You can actually go back and watch <laughs> our watch our live one. videos. Uh, this one, Abby whacked me in the back of the head <laughs> oh, uh, on my metal plate. No, no, which just to the left. Almost just knocked me left. out. It, okay, this story is getting more and more intense every time you tell it. And you've told it like 10 times in the last It felt hour. like somebody was hitting my funny bone, except for on my head. My whole head was like numb. It was a Looney Tune moment. It's like, boing. That's pretty much Do you want to know why she whacked me on the back of the head? Because he was disrespecting Ferris Bueller's Day Off again. One of the worst movies ever. I can't. I will not smack you upside your head again, (laughs) but I will say that it's very important in a relationship that you not agree on everything, and we will never, ever see eye to eye on this one. All right. Well, this week we're resuming our full-time series, and uh, this episode is going to be a lot of that, but you can also go over to YouTube and check out our latest video over there. It's sort of what we talked about last week on the podcast, 30 jobs that you might be interested in performing on the road to pay for your full-time 
RV lifestyle. We didn't talk about that last week. We took a break. Oh, we talked about the week before. Yes, you're absolutely right. Last week, we just talked about us. So we did a YouTube video on that. So if you want to, you know, hash that out again, instead of finding it in the podcast, you can do that. Absolutely. (laughs) And hey, while we're talking about YouTube, Jason has been working really, really hard to kind of uh, amp up the way we film our videos and really try to get a little bit more creative expressing who we are a little bit more. And we would love some constructive feedback. Talk to us like student teacher. Don't at me with this is stinky. Yeah. Um, But, you know, we talked a little bit about this on the live earlier that while we can offer each other constructive criticism and we do, and that's part of working together. Sometimes it's nice to hear from someone who's not your spouse. So if you want to go over and just watch our last two videos, really, I see you. I see you shaking your head. (laughs) That would be awesome. And if you could just share either with us in the comments or you could even just uh, send us a private DM, that would be great too. But we'd really love to know what you think about these and if this is a direction we want to keep going in. So, (laughs) please go critique. Please do. Please please, critique Jason's work is essentially what I'm saying. And while you're there, please uh, please subscribe to our YouTube channel, the RV Miles YouTube channel, and like a video if you get some value out of it. Um, Really quick, I think I said critique. Critique. Let me just go back and I said critique your work. You know I'm going to leave this all in, right? I do. Okay. No, I'm I'm correcting it. Correct the record. Yes, knowing that you're going to leave me in saying critique. <laughs> so I wanted to go back and say critique. So this past week, you know, we're about 15 minutes away from Mesa Verde National Park. And Mesa Verde has recently reopened. It opened uh, Memorial Day weekend, I think. And, or the weekend um, before, actually. Uh, something like or something, that. Who knows? Something like that. And, yeah. and they're, uh, they're phased reopenings like all national parks. And if you go check out our America's National Parks episode this week, you'll get a lot more detail about how national parks are reopening. The America's National Parks podcast on any podcast app. Uh, and some of the things that you might have to deal with when you go to a national park right now. But we wanted to share sort of our personal experience with how that went, Uh, because really this was kind of our first time out with the kids in a while, getting them out into public, seeing people that aren't at a campground and all that sort of stuff. So I think we have to say that Mesa Verde way prepared for this there they were on top of everything and it was um, a seamless experience top to bottom absolutely and they have very clear uh, instructions on what is and isn't open in the park they have that both when you come into the park and they also have that online and that's really i think the biggest thing to take away from this going forward for anyone who's going to a national park you need to go to their website and you need to utilize that as much as possible because that's where the majority of your information is going to be found. This was a really weird experience. I have to be honest because for us as national park goers, the first things we always love to do when we get there is visitor center, the park video, talk to a ranger about family-friendly hikes or off-the-beaten-path things that we should go and do, really put together a plan. And that wasn't something that we could do this time. We don't have that access to the visitor center. 
Now, so, they do have a virtual visitor center set up, as yes. they do at most national parks. It's sort of outside tents. Sometimes there's rangers there to help. Sometimes there's not. Sometimes they've got touch screens and all sorts of stuff. Uh, we didn't utilize that. We didn't really have the need to. We've got smartphones. You can find the information on your phones. But when you we did check into the park, when you get to the gate and, you know, they want payment. Most national parks right now. <laughs> they want your money. <laughs> you get to the gate and they want your payment. <laughs> most of them are asking and some of them are requiring you to, to pay in advance to buy your park admission in advance. We have an annual pass and they asked us to read off the number of our annual pass instead of handing it to them. And the ranger was behind plexiglass and he had a mask on. And uh, when he handed us a map, he handed it to us with one of those grabber sticks that you find at Walgreens. But now, um, but now they're really, you know, going to be one of those things that you're going to see a lot more often as something that is for contactless transactions of sorts. And, uh, and they're using them to a, a large extent at the national park gates. So yeah, it was a great experience. And the ranger was so kind and very friendly. And he asked if we had any questions and he was able to share a park map with us. And he was able to share a hiking guide, which really helped as well in typical Epperson fashion. We didn't realize that the hike we were going to, that we didn't get started towards until after lunch. Cause we wanted to feed the kids was 21 more miles into the park. So we drove the 20 minutes it takes us to get there. And then we realized we still had 21 miles to go before we reached <laughs> we didn't, the trailhead. We didn't plan in advance uh, very Shocking. well. Because, because we're here for so long. But that is really something that we did wrong. And you ought to do if you're planning to visit a park right now is really do some decent at-home planning. Absolutely. And one of the things we recommend if you're a big park video lover like we are is just try to see if the National Park has that park video on YouTube because some of them do put them out there or some of them will put them on the park's website. So Mesa Verde didn't have that. We watched a few other videos instead. But if you can watch the park video before you go and that is something you thoroughly enjoy, try to do that. It's just a nice way to get to know the park. All right, we have a big episode today Lots with Jim to and Renee. So we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll have the answer to last week's brain teaser. Be right back. The RV Miles podcast is supported by Harvest Hosts. Get back on the road again safely with a Harvest Hosts membership. Enjoy wide open RV camping on over a thousand wineries, farms, breweries, museums, and other unique attractions that invite RVers to visit and stay overnight for free. Plus, you're supporting local business who need help right now. RV Miles listeners can save 15% off a Harvest Hosts membership with code MILES. That's Miles for 15% off your Harvest Hosts membership. And by Amazon Camper Force. Get on the road with Amazon Camper Force. Amazon has work camper jobs that offer competitive wages and paid campground fees up to $550 per month. Earn completion bonuses and be part of a community that'll keep you coming back year after year. Go to Amazon.com slash Camper Force Miles to learn more and choose your site today. That's Amazon.com slash Camper Force Miles. Amazon is an equal opportunity employer. And you can find out more about Harvest Hosts and Amazon Camper Force in the show notes for this episode at RVMiles.com 
slash one four seven. All right, it's time for the answer to last week's brain teaser, which went like this. What word contains seven letters and has 10 words inside it without rearranging any of its letters? The answer is therein. Therein, inside the word therein, is the words the, there, he, in, rain, her, here, air, therein, and herein. So there you go. We'll have a new brain teaser <laughs> later on in the show. All right, it's time for our interview with Jim Nelson and Renee Agredano. I sat down with them a few days ago over Zoom and was able to talk to them about their 13 years on the road, doing this before wow. really lots of internet was available, all that sort of stuff. Amazing. And their life traveling with a dog that has a disability. And that is sort of what sparked their travels. And they have written a book recently called Be More Dog, Learning to Live in the Now, which is about, you know, like, letting go and being more like a dog oh, and dog so personalities. So I had just a fantastic time talking with Jim and Renee. So here is my interview with Jim Nelson and Renee Agredano. Jim Nelson and Renee Agredano, welcome to the show. Thanks for having us. Yeah, glad to be Great here. To Thanks. Be here. If we could start, so we're doing this sort of series on, on full timing because a lot of people are interested in that right now. There's uh, there's sort of a big boom and in, in people trying to, you know, figure out their way out of this COVID-19 mess and people are buying RVs like crazy and a lot of people are starting to uh, work from home with their companies so they're thinking I can get out there and travel. So if we could start by talking about your guys' journey uh, to becoming full-time RVers because you guys have been doing this for a very long time. 13 years in uh, one more week. So our nomadiversary is coming up. But yeah, 13 years on the road. And we originally planned for a year off. This was going to be a sabbatical, a budgeted and planned year on the road. And that turned in two. And then that we turned around and it's now 13 years later. Prior to that, we were working from home already. We were kind of entrepreneurs all along and had our own business that we were operating from home. But it was a graphic shop, so we had tons of overhead and equipment and inventory. And um, we were working remotely from a small town in Northern California, but our clients were all over the world. So we we're kind of accustomed to working for ourselves. So after a couple of years on the road, we realized you know, we could make a go of this. Um, how it all started is is kind of a longer story. Yeah, it, our dog is the one who kicked off the whole thing. He was diagnosed with a terminal cancer and his vets told us he had four to six months to live. So we thought, you know, it's, it's time for a change. We're kind of getting tired of our business. Let's shake things up a little bit. And I suggested to Jim that we get an RV and take Jerry on a road trip. And well, this was after his amputation. So they, yeah. they amputated a leg to prolong, you know, give him a better quality of life after diagnosing the cancer. Um, and after that, it was a matter of, you know, making the most of the time we had together, that remaining time. So she said, let's sell everything. Wow. <laughs> that was, that. I mean, people have been full-timing for a long time, but you guys did this before before there was all kinds of YouTubers doing this, before there was all kinds of bloggers doing this and, and lots of lots of people to learn from. Uh, how, how were those first few years figuring this out? 
<laughs> it was just jumping we, in the fire pit. <laughs> it was so long ago that we traveled with paper maps. <laughs> we didn't even, there was no Google app on the phone. There were no smartphones. We had a, we had a cell phone, which was a big deal to the full-timers back then. I mean, you know, oh, we, get, we have a cell phone, but we, nothing but paper maps. Um, and we had no idea how, what we were going to do for a living. But since the internet had already become a thing, um, we knew that we were going to make our living somehow we were going to do it from anywhere. Um, so one of the things we did when we started traveling was we invested in solar internet, uh, satellite internet. And so we had the ability to work from wherever and we still use it today when we're in really remote places. The satellite internet and solar power, you know, mm -hmm. we did our homework and it was tough. It wasn't readily available on YouTube and everywhere, but there was, you know, discussion forums out there. Some paper and, books. And RV forums and, and books, these paper things that you're doing. <laughs> um, and we did our homework and found out that a, the vast majority of people doing what we were going to do were retired with all the time on the, you know, all the time in the world on their hands. But the longer we did it, the more we found that there were couples doing it. They just, nobody knew about them. There right. were a lot of younger couples full-timing when we started in, in 2008. So, uh, but now seven. there's a, a word for, it, you know, digital nomads. Yeah. We, we called ourselves location independent entrepreneurs <laughs> back at the time. There you go. Um, and that was in a, a, a NBC article, but um, now digital nomadism and the Rootless magazine, it's a thing. And I'm so excited to see that happen. Yeah. So how did you navigate the process of figuring out how to make money on the road with, with making the decision beforehand? A lot of people sort of get stuck in that and take some time to figure it out and don't end up making the leap because they can't. So that's interesting. It eventually it all comes back to our dog Jerry. But at first, you know, Ray, Renee's a whiz. She's the CFO at our company, and she budgeted and planned for a year off because we thought Jerry was going to live six months, maybe. But after after a year, we just started burning through savings. And the first thing we did was uh, discover Dave Ramsey and got out of debt. So we, you know, paid off the RV and we had some proceeds from the sale of the house and business, but we were just burning through it. And the first thing we discovered was work camping. We were at a remote campground in Colorado and the host told us about this work camping thing. So we got into work camping and started doing gigs at a uh, animal rescue and a a farm in Florida and a hot springs resort in New Mexico um, to just kind of extend our stay, save on rent, you know, make a little money here and there. But we also, we chose jobs based on things that we thought we might want to do when we grew up. So that's why we worked at the animal rescue. We thought, oh, let, maybe we want to do that someday. And then nope. we quickly learned, no, we're not <laughs> cut out for that. We worked at some resorts because we thought we wanted to buy a resort. Nope, nope that wasn't going to work. So we, we chose these jobs purposely instead of just choosing to do Christmas sales. After a while, we realized we're camping is great as like an interim step, but it's not the solution to earning a good living on the road, depending on your comfort level, you know, it really depends on what you're comfortable with. It did not earn us enough money or save us enough money to make it worthwhile to do all the time. Yeah. Um, we might still do it occasionally, but we knew that um, there had to be something else that would help us build a retirement fund for someday. Um, Cause put gas in the tank and just live a little less hand to mouth. So in the meantime, being the marketing guy and the techie, I put up a blog and we started blogging at Live Work Dream and I got into Amazon affiliates early and Google ads and realized that we were making a couple bucks a month there and that we really needed to find 
our focus when it comes to you know the internet and we had to find our niche and what we found was our passion we had started a little blog for our dog jerry called tripods spelled with a p-a-w and that was because the doctors call them tripod dogs because they have three legs but we i kind of empowered that word and registered the domain and that's the blog that took off and we started getting emails all from all over the place with people with different kinds of dogs and different kinds of cancer and i just had one story to share so once i put discussion forums on that website um we created a community and that became our passion and it was a kind of our purpose to help these people get through what we went through and never feel as lost and alone again. So next we did a live chat room and now tripods hosts more than 1500 three-legged dog and cat blogs. We've got a nonprofit foundation that helps pay for people's amputations and rehab. And um, we sell uh, drop ship, um, no room to stock stuff here, but we drop ship assistive devices for um, amputee pets, harnesses and ramps and boots and things. What what have been some of the challenges in in making that work um, while you while you're out on the road and I, how how has it changed over the years in terms of I, obviously Amazon fulfillment has changed drastically over the last mm-hmm. decade and how, how have you how have you experienced this boom in RVers out there and um, the changing technology the more access to the internet has it has it improved your life has there been new challenges to your business. Uh, how's that, how's that worked out for you? I, boy, everything has changed a lot and yet it, it hasn't. Um, the, the internet is still an issue. It's still, it's more available now than ever. We can get online in a lot more places. We don't need to rely on our dish as much as we used to, but there's that cost. Um, it's, it's a huge factor in our business and our lifestyle. And we chalk it up to a cost of lifestyle, but still we don't have the kind of internet availability that somebody in a sticks house does. Um, One thing that's changed most noticeably for me is the saturation of this new market. Um, I would not want to be trying to do it now and hitting the road, trying to make money with a blog, telling people how to make money online from their RV. Google that. Yeah. You know, you're going to have 1500 YouTube channels to watch right away with people doing an excellent job about, you know, how that is done. We thought we did at first. We when when tripods was still a little tiny part of our life, um that we we weren't sure and we it was kind of like, oh, should we put some RVs, should we put some pets? Um but we quickly found that it wasn't our passion. Yeah. It's other people's passions and they're doing it much better than we want to. Um, if I were, yeah, if I were to think of stuff now, that would not be on my list because there are so many people doing it. But um, other challenges like logistical challenges, you know, just um, not being able to store a lot of things a typical business would. Um, For instance, the um, dropship arrangements. We've had to do that because mm-hmm. we can't stock inventory of five different harnesses in 12 different sizes and three different colors. So we work directly with manufacturers and that has changed from the old way we used to do things in our sticks and bricks, that's for sure. Logistically, from the business side, there's been a lot of changes with you know being an influencer. And we did that for a while and we're doing influence campaigns and we really just kind of kept focusing on what was our purpose? Why are we doing what we're doing? 
and it comes down to helping those other people through this difficult situation. And now we may not be making as much money as we were before, but we live so much more fulfilled. Any time of day, we can jump into our live chat room and Renee was just there and someone was incredibly distraught about the complications they were having with their dog. And after 13 years, we have a vast amount of resources to point them towards. So one other thing we did was develop information products. We have a series of eBooks available that you know are directly for helping those people through those things that if they don't wanna spend the time searching, they can download these eBooks. And um, that's another revenue stream there. I think your, your, your story uh, as a, as entrepreneurs is similar to a lot of entrepreneurs. And I, you know, I've, I've sort of have the same, uh, my wife and I have had sort of the same life is that you sort of, you try lots of things and what sticks works. And those things that don't stick are building blocks to the next thing. And you're working on honing ideas and, and learning from, from each thing. And, and, and then you have to start dropping things that, Mm-hmm. that are so much work and even though they may have been your passion you're not making money on them or or what have you well that's so true and i also you know because we're camping was big for us a, a, a while ago i also managed the largest campers group on facebook and you know one of the biggest questions that come up all the time from new members is how do y'all make a living on the road and i have this answer for everyone it's you know, basically we learned early on that the best way to support our nomadic lifestyle was to develop multiple revenue streams. Because if one of those goes away, you can focus on another Mm -hmm. thing. But by putting all those different irons in the fire, when one gets hot, you blow on that one and you stoke that one. And for us, that happened to be a tiny little niche this big for amputation in cats and dogs. There's a niche out there for everyone and everyone's an expert in something. We'll be back with more with Jim and Renee in a minute, but first, a message from our sponsors. The RV Miles podcast is supported by Hughes Autoformers, makers of the Power Watchdog Smart Surge Protector. Electrical surge protection is one of the cheapest insurance policies you can provide for your RV, and the Power Watchdog beats the competition with field replaceable surge modules. With other brands, when the surge protector takes a large surge or a spike, you have to throw it away. The Power Watchdog can be brought back to life with one small affordable part you can replace yourself. It's the last surge protector you need to buy. Use the coupon code RVMILES, all one word, for 10% off your order at HughesAutoformers.com. That's code RVMILES for 10% off at HughesAutoformers.com. RV Miles is also supported by the Highway Weather app. When it comes to RV travel, weather safety is a top priority, which is why the Highway Weather app provides weather forecasts for road trips along every point of your route, adjusted to your time of travel. You can compare forecasts, get recommendations for the best time to head out, get severe weather alerts, add rest stops to long trips, and more. Did I mention that all of that's included free in the app? For subscribers, there's a hands-free background feature to automatically alert you to upcoming bad weather. To download the app, visit highwayweather.io today or look for it in your iOS or Android app store. You can find out more about Hughes Autoformers and the Power Watchdog or the Highway Weather app at rvmiles.com slash 147. We're back with part two of my interview with Jim Nelson and Renee Agredano. Let's let's shift here a little bit. So you guys, uh, you, you have been traveling uh, for all this time and you 
obviously would be, I, I would think, experts in traveling with pets. And I guess about 60% of RVers travel with pets, and which I, is a staggering number to me. But if you look out in the campground, you, it, you see it's probably true. Um, so we don't have pets, um, w but uh, we see all the challenges that people that have them go through. So what are some of the things that people should consider before hitting the road with a pet? Um, we are experts in three-legged dogs specifically. So um, the challenges <laughs> the we face are a little different yes. than um, you know people traveling with small dogs and cats. But but I know? do I do write about about pets and RVing quite a bit out there. And one of the um, the biggest things I tell people is consider your lifestyle. If you know that you're always going to be out on all-day bike rides or being a tourist, or if you're going to do this constantly, you know what, maybe it's not a great idea to have a pet with you when you're full-timing because um, we, our life basically revolves around our dog's needs mm -hmm. and his needs mean that we can't be gone for more than three or four hours at a time, or this dog will go ballistic and he'll bug the neighbors or he'll do something like eat a t-shirt or whatever. Um, so your pet's needs have to be your number one concern when you're full-timing. Um, there's no way around it. You're going to end up with a miserable pet. You're going to be miserable. Um, also where you like to go, um, being out in the desert in the summer, not a great idea if you've got an animal of any kind, because they wear fur and they don't like to be that hot. Um, so your, your destinations have to keep pets in mind and, um, and what you do when you get there. Those are probably the two biggest things. Um, staying in campgrounds, if you have a dog like we do, a psychotic German shepherd. <laughs> um, he's a love bug. He's great. But other people and other pets, it's, it he just, loves people. He loves people, but other he pets, not care forget for it. Other <laughs> so we have, we tend to avoid RV parks because of him. Uh, it just makes life a little bit easier if we're out boondocking and he doesn't have anybody bothering him. Um, so it, it, you know, your, your pet's personality is, is just really a big concern. There are also, you know, logistical challenges with having a pet, you know, especially when it comes down to storage. Our first rig mm -hmm. was a 24 foot fifth wheel that we lived in for seven years with an 80 pound dog. So we're talking about storing, you know, 50 pound bags of dog food uh, or his bed, gym design space <laughs> that was created around our the size of our dog's bed because it couldn't be any smaller or he wouldn't have a decent place to sleep. So yeah, your living space. Um, a lot of people who travel with cats say that cats are great RVing companions because they don't tend to be on the floor a whole lot. They're up high. So you're not tripping over them the way you would be on a dog. So maybe if you're unsure about taking a pet, a cat would be a great idea. We have a couple of full-timing friends that live with two cats in a van, yeah. a sprinter van. Um, Renee, uh, one great thing I remember, she interviewed some other friends that traveled with cats and they had rigged up a cat door under the steps inside the RV that went down into an exterior compartment where the litter box was. I've been in plenty of other RVs where the litter box is under the kitchen table and you're invited over for dinner or it's in the <laughs> bathroom and you just know they have a cat. But this brilliant little design this guy hacked through the steps down into a compartment where the litter box was, was brilliant for me. Yeah, that, those, yeah. those little concerns, I guess those would be really important. Um, and you're living close to other people too. So if, yeah, if you have a pet that mm -hmm. doesn't like other pets and cats and dogs obviously often don't get along, that's something important to think about. Um, what, what are, what are some of the ways that, um, 
if you 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 guys are obviously um, experts in, in dogs with disabilities, for lack of a better term, wh what are some of the ways that you have to do, um, work around dealing with health issues of, of a pet on the road? Is it any different than dealing with human health issues? I was just telling Jim last night, I said, if we had known when we started full-timing, if we had known about vet care, what we know now, um, we may not have even started traveling in the first place because <laughs> we have learned so much about getting great vet care for your pets that now we're super picky about the types mm. of places that we take our, our dog to. And um, finding great vet care on the road isn't hard if you're willing to travel to it. But if you're not willing to make those little sacrifices for your pet, you can end up with some not so great uh, vet care. And to us, it's a big deal that our dog is around good practitioners. So, so this is a great uh, resource for your listeners traveling with pets. Yeah. You know, when you live in an area and you get to know your vet and you trust your vet and you know they have all the greatest bells and whistles, you keep going to see that vet. How It's like finding a good mechanic in town. I want a yeah, good diesel mechanic thing. and that's often hard to find. So you turn to Yelp and you're just relying on anecdotal evidence or some plugged reviews for something. So two things that we've learned over the years is veterinary teaching hospitals around the country are the best place, some of the best places to get veterinary medical care. You deal with instructors who are certified veterinarians and who know their stuff. And you deal with interns who are graduated students who They're want enthusiastic, enthusiastic yeah. and students. So your veterinary medical team is larger and much more focused on getting to the bottom of what the problem is, especially with our dog Wyatt, who has a mystery issue of some sort <laughs> um, over, you know, no matter About what. About every other month. Um, one time, he developed one of those issues and we were in Texas. So we went to um, Texas A&M, one of the top veterinary medical hospitals. Um, we spent a lot of summers in Colorado. So his vet care is done at Colorado State University. So wherever you are, if you have an issue that's anything more than, you know, a vaccination or something, look for a veterinary medical teaching hospital or <laughs> look at our lists. <laughs> and if you can't find one, the other resource is the American Animal Hospital Association, uh -huh. AHA, A-A-H-A. If you go to aha.org, they have a clinic locator. And one of the reasons we're always promoting AHA clinics is because they are the only accredited, uh, credentialed clinics in the country, which means that they have to follow a set standard of protocols, just like a human hospital does in order to get Medicaid and Medicare funding. Um, veterinary hospitals, any kind of accreditation is completely it's optional. Cool. It's any vet can open wow. a clinic and say, I'm a practice. I don't, and nobody can, nobody needs to inspect that clinic. Let's, There's no federal requirements for nothing. guidelines, practice standards of practice, that sort of so thing. So you never know what you're getting. Vet care can be a crapshoot from clinic to clinic, but if it's an AHA clinic, they're all following the same procedures, same types of medications. They're hiring the same qualified people. I mean, it, you, it's consistency. So anywhere we go, if, if Wyatt needs care and there's no teaching hospital nearby, we look up an AHA clinic and we just had to use that locator when the pandemic started. We happen to find a fabulous clinic nearby. So uh, that, that's our other tip. And, and clinics know this. So if you can't Google it or find out, and you're looking for a vet, just ask them, are you an AHA clinic? They will understand. And if they say, what's that? You can Hang find up. another vet. <laughs> find another one. <laughs> All right. Well, you guys have a new book out. It's called Be More Dog, Learning to Live in the Now. 
number one new release in travel with pets on Amazon. Talk to me about the book and what brought that about. That book is a 10-year labor of love. <laughs> we Jerry was our, our heart dog. He was that once-in-a-lifetime dog that you get and you just know is really special. And we knew we had to tell his story about how his illness not only changed our life, but transformed how we approach life. So after Jerry passed away, um, we, we were approached by a book editor to come up with a story that they could publish. Well, that never happened, but we kept that project on the back burner. And finally, we put it together uh, a couple of years ago and we published it last October. And it's, it's basically the lessons that Jerry taught us about how to look at life and how to spend your day but it's it's more than you know a memoir of an epic road trip this three-legged dog takes it's kind of a mantra to live by because woven into the stories of our various work camping jobs and how we turned our passion into a labor of love is the lessons he taught us things like resilience and acceptance and perseverance and um you know just awareness and gratitude for what you have and living every day to the fullest no matter what life might throw your way. Um, Pets have a really great way of, of showing you the universe and, and it's, it's, we just tried to put into words what Jerry showed us about living through a pandemic, for example. Um, it's, or bur breaks burning up, you know, back in the day when we had yeah. Jerry, you know, there was issues where I, I was brand new to RVing and I had a trailer and I had old wonky analog trailer controller and i burned through brakes and you know it was a two thousand dollar stupid tax lesson but jerry was like what are you worried about man you got new brakes now it's wow. like everything was okay let's just no move on what, they just was. take each day as it comes and they're not thinking about five months down the road they're just looking at you like hey let's go let's go play he hopped out of the hospital the next day on thanksgiving day 2006 and i thought he'd have be on a gurney with tubes and all this and he came on the hallway and the first thing i noticed was a smile not a scar that went from here to here he was just happy to get rid of that pain and move on he woke up without a leg he shifted it to the middle a bit and he adapted and overcome and that's wow. kind of the lessons in that the book shares that we're trying to help other people understand um, the title of it comes from a keynote address we gave at a canine cancer conference long ago where we were helping people understand, you know, what can they do to cope with their dog's diagnosis? And I just realized you got to be more dog. I mean, your dog doesn't know he's sick or your cat doesn't know that they're yeah. ill. You just need to, you know, follow their lead because the worst recoveries we've seen in our community are with people who um, are, are the most stressed and freaking out. Excellent. Where can we find the book and where can we find you guys? Um, Be More Dog is available wherever books are sold. Amazon, of course, but we like to send people to bemoredog.net because we have all sorts of different formats and versions and gift editions with goodies, as well as a blog there that's sharing excerpts and videos of Jerry from, you know, excerpts of the book and then videos from that, that event that might've happened. So bemoredog.net is what's where the book's mostly available. Tripods.com with a paw, tripods, P-A-W-D-S is the, just put it in your head. And next time you see someone with a three-legged dog, let them know about the many resources. Tripods.org has the assistance program and we are uh, still blogging 
at liveworkdream.com for everything regarding black tanks and all that fun RV and stuff. <laughs> well, I can't wait to read the book, and I'm so glad that you guys came on to tell your story. You are you are the OGs of full-time RVing, and we're so happy to have you on to, to share your story yeah, with yeah. everybody. Nobody's ever called this thing. Oh, my God. Oh, we're looking for the OG right now. <laughs> Thank you for that. No, yeah, that's no true. problem. That's a compliment. Thank you. Jim and Renee, thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you. you. Appreciate right. it. It's time for this week's brain teaser, which goes like this. Which tire doesn't move when a car turns right? That's it. Hey, just so everybody knows, I picked this brain teaser this week. Okay, that's why it's yeah. short and sweet. And that's why it's so easy. Mm-hmm. We'll have the mm-hmm. answer to that on next week's episode of the podcast. But now, something different. Something different. Yeah, so normally this is where you would hear fresh tank, black tank. Uh, as many of you know, we are living in a world right now that feels a little bit like a very full black tank. And we wanted to take a moment just to share our thoughts, to share our feelings on what is currently happening here in our country. And so we hope you will stick around for just a few more minutes as Jason and I would like to share our thoughts with you. As full-time travelers, we've had the privilege to see our country, warts and all, through a unique lens. Each community we visit has its own challenges with poverty, homelessness, violent crime, and of course, racism. We've driven through Harrison, Arkansas, where you can see billboards for white power radio and with sayings like, diversity is code for white genocide. We've been to the Alabama Capitol building in Montgomery, where there's a large shrine to the Confederacy, a stone monument commemorating Jefferson Davis taking the oath of office, but barely a mention of the Selma to Montgomery march that ended on its doorsteps. We've driven through the Lower Ninth Ward, one of the poorest black neighborhoods in New Orleans, which has still hardly seen any revival dollars since Hurricane Katrina destroyed it 15 years ago. We visited so many communities that have been devastated by any number of other injustices or tragedies. And yet, we stand here today, having witnessed and seen so much knowing we have not done enough to support communities of color back home in Chicago and across this country. We talk privately about the need for a more diverse RV industry and camping community, and yet Jason and I have not done enough to bring those talks outside our own personal space. We hold ourselves accountable for this. We are not proud. Travel can help you better understand yourself but it can also help you better understand the country you call home if you are willing to look beyond the pretty mountains, the pristine RV resorts, and the downtown squares designed to be safe havens for tourists. Even as people live their routine, there are great social pressures at work, most woven together through decades and centuries of systemic oppression. Your community may feel unaffected, uncompromised, The campgrounds our family call home often feel far removed from all of society's ills, and it can be easy to shut down and just go sit by the campfire. But as citizens of this country and humans of this planet, it is our responsibility to fix it. 
Our family stands with communities of color who continue to suffocate from the thick, poisonous gas of racism that must not be ignored. We recognize our own privilege, our own personal shortcomings, and we must do better. We sincerely hope you will join us. Take care, everyone. Love your neighbor. We'll see you next week. Bye.